0: Welcome to another episode of Couch Conversations with Be Well PBC's Community Connectors.
1: Couch Conversations is a place for community and leaders to get together to talk about what's on their minds.
2: Have you ever wondered what people are really thinking when it comes to behavioral health and wellness? And is the community and those making decisions on the same page when it comes to solutions? That's what we're here to explore.
3: Listen in as we connect community and Palm Beach County systems in an open conversation to help each other understand and explore behavioral health and wellness needs
0: and solutions together. What is 211? Never heard of 211 and oh all this god, type Rose, of stuff. Oh my god. It makes me want to
4: cry every time <laughs> yes. I hear that.
0: <laughs> yes, and it's like what you mean you don't know what 211 is, you know? <laughs> right. And then it's like, you know, you used to hear about 411 all the time and you don't right. even hear about 411 anymore. So now everything is 211. What is 211 and what does 211 do in its role in the community, Miss Sharon?
4: All right. Well, I'm going to talk some, but I want to make sure that Belinda and Cynthia had the chance to talk a good bit too, because y'all hear from me all the time. But in a nutshell, we are the helpline and the hotline, and we're the community connectors. So um, maybe Belinda, do you want to tell a little bit of what happens on the helpline and hotline? And then Cynthia can talk about a couple of our other programs.
5: Sure. Um, actually, you mentioned 411. We are 411. We're also 911, uh, <laughs> because anything that 911 doesn't take care of they say just call two one one four one one apparently uh charges and usually they give out wrong information so people call two one one to ask us any believe it or not in this times in the times of technology people are still calling to get a phone number so besides providing the community with regular information uh as far as phone numbers people call us for um Emotional support, uh, financial support, because we have agencies
4: in our database. Uh, How many agencies do we have, Sharon? Over 1,600. That's how we're able to give the information is that we keep up. We have a directory of all the services in the entire region, and that's how our staff know what's available. So um, Assist, Belinda. Yeah. So people
5: call us for, let's say they're behind on their electric bill. We give them an agency that could help them with their electric bill. Um, Last night, for example, I had an elderly in her 80s who uh, her bipolar uh, daughter came and lived with her, taking advantage of her. So we call DCF. You know, we got all kinds of social. We have basically social services. That's what we do. Uh, However, we do get calls from where can you give me the number to the Pizza Hut? We Google those for some people, you know, it just depends. But we're a little bit of everything. We um, we answer for um, different um, agencies like Palm Beach County Victim Services. We answer for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. We have a program through DCF. Um, we have uh, our other internal programs. Uh, as I'm, I don't know, I, I can go on and on.
4: <laughs> well, Cynthia, Cynthia will talk about some of those. But before I let you go, um, Belinda, you know you mentioned so people used to call two one one like four one one, and now they don't do that so much anymore because most people do Google it, right? But they call us when they need help and they need social services types of things. But every now and then someone will call for a number. Like, do you remember the story you just told me, Belinda? I I put her on the spot because she gets so many calls. I remember some of them and she's like, what? (laughs) You know, so you told me one where uh, an elderly lady called and asked for the number for Walmart. Do you remember that?
5: You have to tell that. She left a voicemail message. So I called her back because in her voicemail message, she says, I need the number to a local to my local Walmart. So I'm thinking, why would she need? Let me call this lady. I called her and um, I I identify myself. How can I help you? She says, well, I need the number to my local Walmart. I gave her the number, but I went a little further and I said, may I ask why you need the number to Walmart? She says, well. Uh, you know, because of COVID, my husband and I are recuperating. Now they're elder. They're in their late 70s, early 80s. We're recuperating from COVID and we want to order food. So, you know, we went ahead. I went ahead and I took some information. I, I did give them the number to Walmart, but I also forwarded the information to our one of our internal programs that deals with uh, the elderly uh, elderly in, in our community But that's what I'm saying. That's what we do. We care about people. We assess callers, just not not, you know, let's say that somebody calls. Oh, I need I need uh, I need help with with um, with my water bill or or, you know, we go further than just providing a phone number. We assess the caller. Is there anything else? Are you okay with food? Most of the people are not okay with food nowadays.
4: And what did we do with those elders? Do you remember what happened in that call?
5: So we were forwarded to the our elder crisis outreach, and I believe they brought them
4: food. and yeah, that's what you told me, is that they didn't know? have food, which was why they were worried about Walmart. Mm-hmm. And they really right? were worried about being able to afford to make that happen. But we have a little tiny pantry for um, our, our elders in that program just until we can get them connected with other services. But if they haven't had food for three days, which we get calls like that, we they can't wait another seven to ten to, to go through the eligibility process, they're going to starve, so we give them enough food while we're, while they're waiting for the application to be processed that they're okay. So and Sharon, somebody Sharon, had a question.
1: yeah Sharon, I want to ask uh, can we go back to the directory? How yeah. often are the resources updated? That's a great question. People ask that all the time, and the
4: short answer is they're updated as soon as we know something changed. So we actually have a staff person, a full-time staff person, whose job it is to keep up with the directory. So for example, if this was a task force meeting, and we go to a lot of these, and, and I hear somebody say, well, you guys have to remember, we moved and our number isn't this anymore, I will immediately pick up my phone and text the person, Judy, who handles that, and say, please double check that this is accurate. Agencies are supposed to tell us when something changes. But, and they, they often do, but sometimes they don't think about it. So if they haven't, then we learn about it when we're out. We sometimes learn about it from community connectors like you guys. Um, but the short answer is it's updated as soon as we learn. And if we don't hear from anybody, we have a system that at, at a minimum of once a year, we actually reach out to every agency in the database, make them review everything that's in there and sign off that it's okay. A minimum of once a year. And in most agencies' um, contracts with their funders, that's in their contract that they have to
1: respond to us. So when I say it's
4: not right, I'm like. "Mm -hmm."
1: So let me Uh, ask you, I have a part two to that question. Part two is so you say you update it as soon as you hear that something needs to be updated. So the updated version, how does the community how, does the so, how did the How did that get distributed to, to community to the community? The updated version.
4: So y'all are asking such great questions. I'm glad we're having the couch conversation. So um, we used to, and this is gonna might age a few people on this call. So some people might not want to say, but some people might remember something called the 211 Where to Turn Guide. Does anybody remember that? It was a book that literally was as big as the Yellow Pages, and that's because each one of these 1,600 Agencies has many, 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 many services. They don't have just one service. So to print them, it's literally a phone book or a dictionary, right? So we no longer print that. So what the way people access it is they call us. You call us, you email us, you chat with us, you text us, or did you guys know you could go to our website and pull it up yourself? All of these services are there and live. If you if you Google, it's 211 PB. I'm sorry, it's 211 Palm Beach, but if you Google two one one Palm Beach, that comes up. And you can click on um, there's two two pages I'd like you to see after this. Is there's a coronavirus page that has really current information on coronavirus. And then for all the regular routine services, it's in that find services page on the database. And you can just clip through and see what's there. All of you guys after this call, you have to go
0: check that out. And then I think I okay, had a
4: question too.
0: I'm yeah, Sharon. Center. Before you go on, let let's let's slow down a little bit. Okay, so we're going to go first and introduce Carlos Edwards. Carlos, introduce yourself and tell us where you're from, and then we we will proceed with some more questions.
2: I'm Carlos Edwards I'm from Riviera Beach, Florida, and I work with and volunteer with a couple different agencies. Um, formerly Westgate Tabernacle, um, they changed their name to the Gate International. I do a lot of work with um, Riviera Beach, um, such as in Project Fact, and I also work in mental health as a uh, social worker. So. Okay,
0: thank you, Carlos. Thank you. Welcome, Carlos. And now I want to go to the community, and then Holly, you can come in after this. Have you ever heard about 2-1-1 before this interview came up?
2: Was this for me? That question is for me. I,
0: that, that's for Holly or anyone that oh. wants to um, come in. I want to go to the community for a minute. I
6: only heard about it actually uh, when I used to live up in New York. Mm-hmm.
0: So when they, it when it came
6: up in, uh, when, well, I, I'm i from Long Island, but my grandparents lived up in uh, in Brooklyn. And when my grandmother passed away, we had a couple of, before she had passed away, we had a couple of social services issues we needed to take care of. And someone had mentioned two-on-one and that was the first time several years ago I had heard about it. And then it came up at our couch conversation on um, a couple of weeks ago when we did um, the community uh, action call
0: okay. i don't even did know you, they had it down here did you have the
6: opportunity to check out the website I, I did not i have not okay but i had put a couple of my questions in the chat i didn't know if they know
0: i didn't want to interrupt okay she's asking in the chat what type of training do two-on-one staff get?
6: yeah and also what well, like it was, a, it was a it was a bunch of them is really um is, oh, is there always always a human who answers the phone or is it you know, press one if you need phone numbers. Press two if you need social services. You know, is or is it a human? We want to know how many people are actually manning the phones, and then what kind of training do they get, if any? Well,
4: those are great questions too. Um, so, um, here's the way that here's what happens. Actually, Belinda, do you want to answer sort of just what happens, and then I'll talk about training a little bit? If somebody calls, yes, yeah, if somebody calls two one one, they're
5: going to hear a recording. Um, and they're going to hear if you're having a crisis and would like to speak to someone. You know, they're going to press. Uh, I believe it's three. It's, there's also uh, an, an option if you need a bilingual person. They're going to they're going to press that, and they should get somebody. Uh, we have Creole and Spanish. Um, and then um, you know, we well, our answer rate is quick. People don't really have to hold to that long like other two one ones I've heard. Uh, but we answer very cordially. We're caring people. Uh, we identify ourselves. And then we take it from there. And yeah. Um, yeah.
4: Yeah. So so there is a recording to begin. And the reason that there's a recording, and the recording um, only takes about 20 seconds, 25. Mm-hmm. But when I came on staff, we had a long front-end recording because we kept adding stuff. And it was, I timed it. It was like a minute and 30 seconds. So it's like, okay. So we've thinned that down. But the reason we have to have it is that allows us to prioritize the calls. And it's almost impossible to have enough people to have a live person answer at any second because you never know from one minute to the next how many calls you're going to get. So our answer rate, um, we have a goal of answering crisis calls within a minute. We try to answer 90% within a minute, and then we try to answer the other calls within two minutes. So we before the pandemic, we were mostly hitting that. Now with the pandemic, waits are a little longer, but still not, not, not long. And Holly, you asked about training. So that, that's a very good question because these are not therapists. People ask, you know, are these counselors? Are they, they are, they're therapists? They're not therapists. These are um, paraprofessionals, people who've been, who care a lot and we hire because we think they're skilled and they get trained. So the training is about two weeks of pre-service training where they get some classroom instruction on listening, on assessment, on de-escalation, all kinds of tools for communication. And then they also learn how to use our system. They have to know how to use that database so that they can pull the resources. They have to learn how to use the phone system. There's a lot of technology then a lot of our funders have required trainings that they have to have. Um, the rape crisis line actually has, I think it's like a 40-hour training for that line, right, Belinda? It's a 30-hour 30, 30 30, training. 30-hour training on top of you know the training we're already doing. So people get all that training. When they finish that training, it's not like they're just able to answer calls independently. This is not like a typical call center. They go out and then they work under supervision. They work with peers. We're listening, we're monitoring the calls and we're coaching them. It really takes a long time for somebody to be proficient.
0: Okay, yes. so now I, I wanna go back to Belinda. I heard a lot of compassion, especially when you took that Walmart call and uh, you you talked about um, you know what the elderly couple needed and you connected them to those places and all of that type of stuff. You also mentioned about the different resources that you guys offer. So I have one question now as far as a resource is concerned. What are specific resources for fathers?
5: Um, for fathers, um, actually, I'm I'm glad that you answered that because you asked that. We have uh there's the Falk Center for Counseling, they have a men's support group. Um, and they're available. There's I think there's like a five-dollar fee. And um it's um let me see. I have something here. Uh, yeah, Falk Center for Counseling, and they do cover Palm Beach County. Uh, we do answer for other counties. I, I and um, also there's most of our uh, most of our agencies. Uh, they provide parent support groups. Um, I did find one that we do give out a lot. Is it's called Parent Support Group, which is for single parents, either male or female. But as far as for male, uh, there's that fault center. They do have a men's um, support group, and they discuss all kinds of issues, which I think, I think is great.
4: Also, also, Boys Town and Bridges have a lot of parenting spaces. Yeah, Boys I Town, think, yes. Cynthia, I think you were going to talk a little bit about Help Me Grow and some parenting things there. Yes.
7: For Help Me right. Grow, we, um, with Children's Service Council, we encourage all parents to get the Every Parent app. So that's how they can get involved. So with fathers, we try to get them involved in the process with the screening. Um, Like usually when I call parents, I usually think I get the dads and they say, call mom. I'm like, do you have the time? I want to do it with you. And I get a few that say yes, and we do it with them. And it's actually a really good time talking to them and getting them involved in the process of the screening for their children through the Help Me Group program, but through Children's Service Council, like we have events and stuff like that. We also encourage like fathers to go to these events with their children, not just the mom going out there alone by themselves sometimes, which is what we usually see, just mom there by herself. Hey, okay, Cynthia, so, you, you
4: might have to tell people what Help Me Grow is.
7: Oh,
0: true. <laughs> um, and, be, so, and before you get there, let me ask Belinda and maybe Sharon, you can probably share that information as far as the uh, information that you gave on the parent and along with that every parent app thing in the chat for us, please. Go ahead, Cynthia. Sorry for the interruption.
7: It's okay. Um, so Help Me Grow, um, also house at 211. It is a free developmental assess uh, program. What we do here is trying to catch things early for children during development to make sure that they're on track. So what we do is to keep track of their development to make sure that by the time they're five, um, they're ready for school. There are no child is left behind. So the younger they, that they are, we're trying to screen them, um, see if there's any, um, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Um, Any concerns. Wow, that totally escaped me. Uh, Any concerns that they have so that we can adjust them early. We work with a lot of pediatric uh, pediatric offices. So we have different ones. We target like the Haitian community, the Spanish community, trying to get the parents to do it with us. It's free. It's on the phone. It takes usually about 20 minutes for that process. And, And another aspect of it is connecting parents to community resources for their children. Um, So a lot of parents don't know like about like the every parent app um, community events. So we're trying to connect them to those so that like they can take their kids uh, before COVID um, and things like that. So it's usually what we are is a family connector um, to resources is basically what we do at Help Me Grow.
4: And just to be clear, a lot of how that begins is by doing a screening over the phone. So they've got questions that they ask the parent at different stages, and depending on how the parent answers that the child is doing, we, that the screening can flag whether or not there might be a, a developmental delay, a concern. And then we'll, if there is, if something's flagged, we connect them to a place to do a full evaluation. So that's sort of how that process begins. And once they're in there, if there's something that's been identified as needed, then our staff, like Cynthia, will work with them to get them connected to whatever services are going to help us.
3: That's a lot of great information, but I just want to give a kind reminder that you guys can ask us questions as well. Um, You can talk to the people that are in the community doing the work, like Carlos, um, you know, uh, Lisa, you can ask us questions because it's a couch conversation. Um, so we want it to be, you know, a two-way communication. Um, and although the information is great and it's all being documented, uh, we're here to answer questions as well. And if you want to ask questions to the community and to learn more about, I guess, our interactions or how we're engaged with 2 on one this is also the space to do that as well.
4: Sure. Well, I have a, a few questions. I'd I'd love to hear, um, Carlos, a little bit more about what you're doing and whether or not you're engaging with with two one one. I wanted to ask um, Lisa before. I'm going to ask several things so I don't forget. Lisa, I wanted to mention to you. I don't know if you know that Candy Spitz works for us. Okay. So back to it being a small world. So um, so there's a connection there. And then I just wanted to find out from several of you guys if you if you have. If you have used 211 or if you know someone who has, and what your experience has been. So, I don't know, maybe we'll start with Carlos. Tell me what okay. you're up to. And-
2: um, professionally, I work as a clinical therapist for a substance abuse treatment center. Um, but lately, I've been engaged at Riviera Beach with um, Project Fat Who cool Gears. Uh, and I believe Holly or somebody asked. Um, about um, more father initiative programs, which is a good thing because I think right now, all programs or major funders are looking to get more, more fathers engaged. So I'm working with Project FACT. Uh, and what it is is we, uh, is Fathers and Children, uh, Fathers and Children Coalition, God forgive me, still feeling a lot of the weather, but we actually engage. Um, we recently just went through a 10 week workshop where we tried to um, get more fathers engaged and and bring them out of the community and actually working into the community. So that's that one project. Um, Also, we're part of Bridges. I'm part of the Riviera Beach branch and I'm part of their, I'm actually the chair of their advisory board. And so we've been pre-COVID up until now working on getting more fathers engaged. I'm not sure how closely connected Bridges is with 211. Um, also sit on the board for uh, the Gate International, which was formerly known as Westgate Tabernacle. I know we've done uh, work through them when we was operating our homeless shelter. Um, And so we're still, we're partially operating. We're not fully in operation. I believe the last time we updated with them was, I want to say a year ago, maybe two years ago. Um, But outside of that, just in my everyday social work, just doing social work when people have questions for me, like I deal with a lot of people looking for shelters or help, especially for men. Um, when I don't know offhand, I do recommend them to go to two one one, or women in crisis, or women that are uh, that are in domestic violence or domestic abuse relationship. I refer them to two one one because I do know there are some resources that are for women that deal with domestic violence that are anonymous. So. You have to go through. Um, I recommend them to go through 211 so they can figure out how to get access those different uh, resources. I do have a question for you guys. Um, how is it being advertised to the general community so that they know um, 211? If they don't have somebody like a social worker or somebody like a community partners or children's family services, how would they know? how to get in contact with you if they were going through something. Because I think it was Holly that said she knew about it in New York, but she didn't find out about it until she was in like a meeting or a conference or something where they were speaking about it. So that's my question, if you guys don't mind answering that.
3: And uh, before uh, you answer that question, uh, what Holly was talking about earlier was our conversation to change. We gathered, I think it was correct me if I'm wrong, over 60 people on the call. And it was highlighting different, everything that was going on with the pandemic relating to behavioral health um, and a number of other things. But something that came up was 211 being a resource. And people were speaking from, you know, Carlos spoke and he was able to talk from um, the perspective of the therapist and how he's offered the services to others, um, how people knew about two one one, but may have never, you know, didn't know all of the information. Um, and, you know, Dow two one one, but didn't actually use the resources. We've had some people try using resources, but um well, let me not ramble too much. The point of me mentioning that is that two one one came up in conversation a lot in that conversation. Um, and that's what Carlos was referring to and what Holly was referring to. And well, that's I- well, I
4: appreciate you in inviting us to talk about that. And before I answer the question, the question is about how do people know? Um, but I, want, I didn't want to forget to ask this of you, Carlos. You mentioned the, the FACT program, and it sounded like it was part of Bridges. Was that accurate or no? It's not part of Bridges. Okay, so we'll need, it's separate. He's on mute, but I'm reading his lips. <laughs>
2: Um no, not a part of bridges, two different entities. Okay. Um, project Project Facts stem from the Boys and Girls Club. It's a it's oh it boys was, and girls
4: club. Okay, okay. It we was do a have a
2: part right. The Boys and Girls Club was one thing, but the person who actually founded it, he used to work for the Boys and Girls Club. So it was like an off-branch of that. Okay. And so I recently um uh, while I was on mute, I just reached out to him and asked how he thought about getting involved with two on one. Especially for resources, because he does a lot of work in the community as well when it comes to um, providing shoe care, when it comes to providing different things for men, um, different um, things such as like free haircuts and everything, you know, things that men can appreciate because we do not have a lot of programs. Mostly everything that is out there is geared towards women and children.
4: That is totally true. We see that in our resources. So I would love if you follow up on that. Thank
2: you, Carlos. And, um, yeah, I reached out to him just now. I
4: appreciate that and let us know because if that's something
2: we can add, we'd, we'd be happy to add. And is All it right, possible? So- I got, I'm sorry. Is it possible that I can get somebody's contact information so that when these things do come up, I can refer them to a direct contact if yeah. they want to get involved with you guys? Maybe put Belinda, it in the chat or something.
4: Or Cynthia, while I'm answering the next question, would you mind typing in... Um, getting Judy's email and including that in the chat. If you guys just pull it up on our email, you can find it. That That's the easiest thing. I mean, if, if you if all else failed, you could just do the help email and we'll get you to someone, but Judy is our person. All right, so the question is, how do people know about us? And I'm going to start it with another question. The question is, what do you guys think our advertising budget is? Our budget for advertising to like put up signs and promote and do like
6: media, radio, all that? What's our advertising budget? i going to say not much because I have not seen a lot of 2 on one Well, I, yeah. ag- I agree. I was going to say not
3: a lot because I understand it's a nonprofit. So it's, it, it's hard for people to get that information. It's hard for it to get put on signs and have ads on social media. It's like the resources that we need the most have the least funding.
4: Thank you, TK, because that was a trick question, because our advertising budget is nothing. Zero.
8: Crazy. I was
4: going to say zero. I was going to say zero. And I had written out, now, so we do have funding, we do, and not that we have specialized funding, but we do have in our budget an outreach person. So I'm going to talk about her and what she does. So we are able to do that, that person-to-person meeting. But as far as money to put up billboards, money to do social media, money to put ads on the radio or in any place else, um, we have zero. And I have personally written grants, multiple grants to get this done because y'all have told me again and again and again how important it is. And do you know how many of those grants got awarded? Also zero. And so despite the criticism that we take, for not doing more awareness, it would appear that no one is willing to fund awareness. So that is a source of a lot of personal frustration for me. Y'all might hear it in my voice Um, because that's so unfair, right? But I will tell you what we do. We do have a a staff person whose job it is to do outreach in Palm Beach County. That's Patrice Schrader. I'm sure many of you see her at meetings. we have another person for the Treasure Coast. We do a lot of uh, emails, a lot of meetings. So I pulled out just some of the data so you can have it. Uh, so far in 2020, collectively, because Patrice is not the only one that goes to meetings, just like we're doing tonight. You know, me, Belinda, and Cindy are all here with you. So over, so far this year, we've literally attended hundreds of meetings, conducted over 60 different presentations, distributed 2 on one information to over 150 locations. And we've been highlighted in the media over 100 times just this year. And that's just our little team who's also just trying to run everything and keep the 24-7 crisis line going. So one of my questions for y'all is, how can you help get the word out? (laughs) We will will email you flyers and you can email them to everyone you know. I want to know how many of you have liked our social, um, our Facebook page.
2: Did not even know you had one. It, I that's what I, that's what I put in the chat. <laughs> do you have so social
4: find media? So of the name of our agency of the name Treasure of our agency is two one one Palm Beach Treasure Coast, but I decided that is too long for anybody to say so we have taken over the last few years just to calling at 211 helpline. So if you go on Facebook and find us 211 helpline, we're right there. Um, we need you to like the page so that you'll see what we're doing, check on what we're doing through the pandemic especially and hurricanes. We've actually put out a lot of information on Facebook because a lot of people do look there. So um check it out, like it and then share it. That's a big way you guys can help that and then we can email you like I said flyers and you can you can we can't always pay. I would like everyone in the world to have a two one one flyer, but I can't pay for that. So if I email you guys the material and you email it and then print it and share it with everyone you know, that would be a big help. Yeah, also, I was going to say,
1: as community connectors, we certainly can um, get the information out via email. Um, via, do you have Instagram also? I think we do. I, I
4: don't think we do. We don't do a lot with it, um, but I think our Facebook and I think the posts feed both
7: to Facebook and Instagram. Yes, we do. Yeah. Like she said, it's connected. Um, I found it. I So I know. Um, we don't usually go to it or advertise much on the Instagram page, but the Facebook one is the one that we use most often. But we do have an Instagram. It's also 211 Helpline.
0: Okay. I have a question before you guys go in. I'm, I'm, I'm. It feels like I'm playing jump rope right now. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so um Lisa, I have a question for you. How can you, um, because I haven't heard from you, that's why I'm coming for you. Okay. <laughs> How can you help educate your friends and neighbors about 211? So I
9: do, you know, I do have a nonprofit organization and um we have around 200 families right now um who participate in tennis. Um so Candy Spitz here and yes, she her sons, our twin sons do log in. Right now we're doing Zoom tennis virtually for love serving autism. So a lot of our children with special needs are logging in. Um I, I I would love to share flyers. I I should have probably connected to Candy earlier about all this, you know, and shared it with all of our families. Um, because I do think that especially during COVID and and, and for children and adults with special needs, I think it has impacted the parents, the families, everyone involved. So uh, I, in addition to tennis, we would like to be a resource as well to offer you know as, as many tools as we can to help the families um, at this, especially at this time. So whether we, we can put a flyer on our website or share the link, you know the website link. Um, however, however we can help.
0: Holly, I know <laughs> that that you had this up in New York and all of that. Um, yes. Uh, you or Lisa or Carlos. Uh Have you known anyone to use it outside of New York, Holly? Have you known anyone to use two one
6: one Not outside of the New York area. That's why when I um, had the conversation to change, I was like, "Oh, two on one I know that because we we had used it for social services up in in New York with my grandmother, who was elderly, and uh, there were some uh, health issues or behavioral health issues that we needed to address, and that's how I had learned about two on one, but I don't know anyone down here. Uh, that has used it. Um, And like I said, I was unaware that it even existed. I thought that was a New York thing. And maybe Mm -hmm. that it's a two-on-one Brooklyn, the way there is a two-on-one Palm Beach Treasure treasure Coast. I didn't even realize that it's not a national thing, that it's a a local.
4: Well, it is actually, so here, let me just answer how that works. It's a national number. So 96% of the population in the US has a two-on-one. So almost everyone in the US has a two-on-one. It works similarly to how nine one one works, meaning that if you call nine one one, you don't get a national agency; you get your local your local law enforcement. So two one one is the same, and the way it operates, though, unlike law enforcement, which operates similarly wherever you are, two ones operate very differently. Some are just information, um, like the helpline. Others are like us that do helpline, the suicide prevention, and some other auxiliary programs. So. Thank you.
0: How about you, Lisa? Anyone you know ever used it? Um, I
9: did refer a family, I believe it was a year ago, to use it. Um, it was for a, a teenager on the autism spectrum who was needing some mental health support. So I believe that they followed through. <laughs> um And I had heard of it again through through a friend through someone who works at Two One One. She's a development director, so she had kind of sent me a little bit of information to help this family. But I I feel that there are times and families don't really they don't really let us know even as an organization of of their needs in general. You know, I don't I don't know I don't know everything well enough to say you know to recommend you know certain services other than I know that we're here to teach them tennis and social skills and all that, but it would be nice at some level to be able to know, you know, identify those needs, um, so that we can continue to refer. But, but like I said, we can we can share the flyer and the and the website link and social media pages too.
6: So can we ask a stupid question? No
9: question is stupid.
6: Question. I feel like a little naive in asking this um, I know you said you have no advertising or marketing budget. Um, How much um, interaction do some of the government agencies, such as the police or even just the local government, um, work with you or offer services? Or has there been any kind of interaction between the two? You know, I'm thinking about, you know, over the summer with all the calls of defund the police. And it's really more of increasing the use of these behavioral or social services that the proper phone call shouldn't go to the 911. It should go to the services. (laughs) That are provided right here was a great platform, but no you yeah. know about it. it's easier. Everyone knows nine one one. We're just taking a different number. Yeah, so I'm just I'm just curious. I, I don't know how to phrase the question, but no, that I'm was good. I, under, I understand. So
4: so a couple of things. One is that um, I should probably share how we're funded. So we do take private donations, but a lot of how we're funded is through the support of United Ways, the Children's Services Councils, um, and local government agencies. So. Here in Palm Beach County, probably our several of our biggest funders are Palm Beach County, um, Palm Beach County, United Way, and town of Palm Beach, United Way, Children's Services Council, and then some money that comes down through DCF into Southeast Florida Behavioral Health Network. So those are some of our very, very biggest funders. In addition to that, though, we get a lot of... So, so I say that to say we work closely with all the governments. I mean, we had an email from Lois Frankel's office just this week with a constituent, uh, an elderly constituent who needed help. And we assigned somebody to, to follow up on that. I'm going to finish this thought, but I want to get back at some point to Cynthia to talk about some of our other programs that we, we never did talk about. So um, so we do work with government. Uh, the, all of our county commissioners know about us. Most of our local officials know about us. The point mayor, uh, West Palm Beach commissioners, Boca Del Rey, law enforcement, they do know about us, but Here's the, the challenge is in Palm Beach County alone, there are over 20 different law enforcement agencies because you have the sheriff's office, you have Delray, you have Boynton, you have West Palm, you have Ruby Era. So what I find is that um, just like this group, it's a constant, constant, constant education. And I could probably fund someone to go to every police department and do briefings. And that would be their full-time job. So it's been very difficult to keep everybody um, all long. We I say we do work closely with law enforcement. And yet, just like this group, I still find I talk to officers who don't seem very knowledgeable. In fact, I worked for Delray Beach Police Department for 10 years. And when I got this job, I was in my own community talking to our officers, officers I know. And they made the comment that one of them didn't even know what two one one was. And I grabbed the chief and I said, chief. You guys don't know what 211 is. And he said, they know. And I was like, I just talked to them and they don't know. So it seems like it's a constant, constant education and re education as people who know about it move, take on different jobs, new roles, and new people come in who may not know
3: about it. And that's a challenge for us. Um, I have a question before you talk about the other services. Um, if you had to tell, us how to advocate, advocate for you, like the top three things that 211 um, helps with the community? What would you tell us to say? Well, it
4: sounds like two different questions. One is what are the top things that the community needs? And the other are the top things well, we as an how, agency need.
3: How would you want us to communicate what 211 is to uh, their community members? So,
4: what I would want you to say is that. That I would want you to tell people that whatever's going on in their life, if they need help, they should just call two hundred and eleven. one one That's the easiest thing to say. If they need help and they don't know where to turn, just call. It's free, it's confidential, and it's 24-7. So I hear a lot of worries from people saying things like, I didn't know if it was for me or I didn't know what was going to happen or I didn't know what the people would be like. I say just try it. You know, if you're hurting and you don't know what to do, just make the call, right? You know, what have you got to lose? So that's what I would say is just to encourage people. If you're struggling, call. Um, I'd like to go ahead. Sorry, I'd like to add something
5: to that, Sharon. People sometimes we get calls. Well, my friend told me to call. I I, I don't know why. So there comes our training. We're trained. Active listen. Okay, well, I'm glad you called. Tell me what's going on. And sometimes people don't know what why they're calling. And eventually, after we talk to them for a few minutes, then they realize, oh yeah, this is what I need. You know, whether it's uh, help with whatever utility bill or just to talk, just to vent, mm-hmm. just to let out what they're 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 feeling. You know. And so we do get a lot of calls that I I don't I don't know. My French has told me to call, or my teacher said to call. So
4: that that's a great story. I I also hear from people questions like, um, like I didn't know if it was for me, like there almost seems to be a fear, like maybe my problem's not big enough, or maybe it's only for people that don't have any money, or maybe, you know, I don't have food all the time, but we're not like dying of starvation. So, Mm -hmm. So I think there's just a reluctance on people's part to, to seek help and to ask and to maybe admit worry and anxiety and vulnerability. So I would be reassuring to people. One's just saying what we do, you know, we're just, we're just here to help, that's why we're here. And then two is, you know, it's easy to call, it's free, it's easy, they're there for you. That was a lot of things, but the one is just call.
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you before you moved on, Sharon, when did you work for Delray Beach Police Department? Because I did too.
4: You did too? What? Um, oh, that's hilarious. So I was there for 10 years.
0: I was I went, there from 94 to 2000.
4: Okay. So no, I was after you. I came in 2003. I had to think for a second when I when I was there, but I was from okay. 2003 to 2013 for 10 years. And so I, the, the chief who was chief when I arrived was Larry Schrader.
0: Okay. So um, I wanted to go back as as well, too, because two on one has been around for a, such a long time. Um, after law enforcement, I, I became um, community the um, manager for an after school program, and then director. And I remember you guys, and like you said, there. I guess there used to be a budget, um, but uh, and I used to pass out the two on one books all the time because there was some very pertinent information inside of those books. I would keep one in the car with me myself. You know, so that when I needed to refer this or whatever um, to to others and and just the other day, you know, before I started asking, hearing everyone ask about 211, I had just referred someone to 211 because I know of 211. Thank you. Uh, only thing you just don't see the little yellow book anymore around just sitting around or whatever, because it was an easy go to and you hand it to the parents and say, hey, this is something that you can find you can find it in here, whatever it may be that they deal with and all of this type of stuff. So it was a an easy go-to versus now you have an older population who who's probably not internet savvy and all of that type of stuff. So what do you do in circumstances like that as far as uh, the elderly is like concerned? Like you had the one that went to, you know, called about Walmart and needing some help or whatever, but I- you've people out here who they 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 don't even know how to operate the internet or find your information. They're not on social media. How do you get information out there? And you also said earlier about um, not having the personnel to go out to the different police stations or whatever, because that would take like a full-time person. But I had another question asked to how do you get on their agenda to have these type of conversations? And even if not the agenda, how do you find out about community meetings that may be happening within those cities, um, and possibly show up there to a community meeting and, and give out that type of information.
4: Yeah, well, like I said, we attend a ton of community meetings already. In fact, the sixty that I quoted is probably not even a fraction of what we do because none of the ones that I do were in there. None of the ones Belinda or the other staff were in there. That was just the ones that Patrice did. So, um, so we're already attending. In fact, Patrice probably goes to, well, not now that we're virtual, but probably two or three a day. But um, she also hosts an interagency area network meeting that we do once a month. And she has between 30 to 50 different organizations that show up at that every single time too. So we're, we're really already out a lot. Now I say we have no advertising budget, meaning I don't have money for radio, so on. I do have an outreach person. And we do have money for printing. So I wanted to go back, though, Rose, to those. And I don't want to forget your question about seniors. But the comment you made about the little yellow books, I have to tell you a story about that. So now those little yellow books, the little ones, those were never complete guides. The complete guide with all of our services was the big, big, big phone book. And Mm -hmm. as soon as it was printed, it was called a where to turn guide. As soon as it was printed, it's out of date. Because you know that as soon as we go to print, a number changed. So that's the problem, really costly and out of date immediately. So the little yellow books were what we called the, um, the teen guide, all right? And it was called the teen yellow pages, and we distributed them to schools. So um, I actually was on the 211 board when this came up. And so somebody, I had showed it to my kids too. But anyway, it came up that my kids and other people's kids It's a yellow, um, the yellow, yellow, it's the yellow pages, the yellow pages for teens. And it came up that kids don't know what the yellow pages are. So here we're giving them yellow pages and the kids don't know what the yellow pages are. So we had to change that. It's no longer yellow. It's now, and it's got like cartoon gamey images on it, but it still gets distributed to all the schools. That goes to every single health class in all of Palm Beach County. So the, the school district actually helps to pay for that. And we print something like 20,000 of them a year. So mm. those are still going out. And in fact, when I took this
6: I've job, seen I've seen okay. that in our public middle school.
4: When I took this job, one of the things I said is I don't think we need to print these anymore because it's a huge amount of work and the numbers are outdated and it's not up to date. And everyone said, ah. Have to have them, you know, people love them. So we we keep doing it because people told us they like it. The other thing we do is something called quick guides. Again, I'm not crazy about it because as soon as you print it, it's out of date. And we find them around that are like 10 years old. I would prefer people just call us and then they'll get the right information, right? But people want something on paper. So we continue to to produce these quick guides, which are just a like a one-page front and back for special um, populations or circumstances. And one of them is for seniors. And those go to, um, to uh, senior living communities and places where uh, community centers, senior centers, we get those out into places where we're trying to connect with seniors. We've also done things sometimes like uh, collaborated with Boca Helping Hands and Meals on Wheels to get information into the um, meal distribution. So we've, we've, we try to be creative where we don't have dollars.
0: Mm. Thank you.
7: And also another place where like seniors who are not like internet savvy about us is the news. We are mentioned a lot sometimes on the news, and we'll get a lot of calls of them saying, Oh, we saw the news uh, and they mentioned 211 and we heard this and that and we're just looking for more information. And then through that, like they will, okay, um, I'll tell that to like my support group or uh, like the community center, they're like, okay, when I go to bingo, I'll mention that. And we're like, okay, thank you. So they see our stuff on the news and then they call, ask for more information and then they share it again with those that don't know about it. So that's also another way we kind of spread the word. And and like I said, it doesn't take, I mean, it takes our time and
4: we we don't have a lot of staff, but our our practice is to try to say yes every time the news media calls us because it's free. And so because even though it's challenging, you know, it's challenging to drop everything, and have news crews come in and go out and meet them. But in any case, we've been in the news. I I had somebody count it up before this literally over 100 times so far in 2020. So we're out there. Um, It's just the atmosphere is so busy, um, you know, and people's attention span is short. It's you have to be out there all the time every day for people to really retain it.
1: Did we want to let Cynthia tell about some of the other programming? Like... Sure. Before we go to that, I want to just mention, um, I am on the Healthier Bornton Advocacy Committee. So I initially heard about 201 about uh, over two years ago. So I'm wondering, uh, do, you, uh, do you work with any of the other healthier, uh, uh, work closely with any of the Healthier Together communities? We do. We work, with all, we work with all the Healthier
4: Together communities. And that's part of how, you know, we, we got to be here. Before Lauren um, changed her position, we were working with Delray. We work with Boynton. Um, with well, you said Boynton with Jupiter at, at different levels. I think we've been a little bit more involved with the Delray one, but all of the healthier Together communities are are connected with
1: us. All the staff. Yeah, I might want to um, make a suggestion that they do more uh, promoting in their newsletters. Okay. I'll. I'm going to make some
4: notes of like a couple of follow-up things to do that I'll send to this group afterwards and so I'll include that healthier together promoting 211 in uh, the newsletters. Thank
2: you. Quick question. And I know we got to get to Cynthia. Um, in the midst of her talk about some of ser- some of the services, is there if there are services that you do not offer because you also mentioned those because I think some of the biggest issues is when you recommend something to somebody and the person actually reaches out, and then they find out they don't even have what I need to help. And I think a lot of times, especially um, in my community, I think we get discouraged when there's there's programs or there's things offered, but they don't meet our needs. You, you know what I mean?
4: Yeah, hundred percent. And and honestly, Carlos, this is one of our biggest um, concerns too, and one of our biggest challenges. And frankly, I think two one one often gets a bad sort of a bad rap because people feel like they called us and we didn't help them. But the dilemma is, and I tell this to our, um, our board and our allies all the time. You know, I, literally when I took this job, one of the things one of my board members said is that they wanted us to tackle homelessness. And I was like, are you kidding? You know, like we're, we're a 24 seven crisis line and there are so many agencies dealing with homelessness and it's such a huge issue. You know, there's no way I'm going to solve that in a year. So the dilemma is that we can't control what services are available. And the sad, 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 sad news is that in the state of Florida, for most services like mental health, I think we're something like 48 or 49 out of 50 in funding. So uh, the funding and the services for, for homelessness and for mental health are not good, Um did I'm sure you guys are aware. Maybe you're not. Did you know? Trick question. How many walk-in homeless shelters are
1: there in Palm Beach County?
3: I have no idea.
0: <laughs> not many. Are there any? Yeah. No. I was going to say zero. That was, was
5: going
1: to be my answer. Zero.
4: <laughs> you're like rehab capital of the world. You put so. In- so. In Palm Beach County, there is not any location that if you are, and actually my whole service area, there are in Broward and there are in Miami-Dade, but in our service area, there's no place that if you're homeless, that you can just walk up and get admitted and have a cut. So that creates a huge problem in dealing with the homelessness situation. And when somebody calls us, we, 2-1-1, can't change that. That's not something that we can change. We do advocate for change. Like we produce a report that shows areas of unmet need for our um, representatives and for our county government. And they have like, one of the biggest one is housing, 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 you know, because the need is rising even as they're expanding.
0: Let me piggyback on Carlos. Let me ask you a question. um, I'm going to piggyback on Carlos for a minute. Can they screen for the services to help control what is needed by the people that are calling so that they will know immediately what service is needed and they can direct them to that service? Is there some type of screening form that you have or what, what is it that you Yeah, have?
4: So, so sort of. The short answer is that with every single caller, we do what we call we assess and with um, the system, we look at the eligibility criteria in the system and, and we try to match it up. However, with 1,600 agencies, each agency and each program is going to have different specific criteria. And we literally have thousands of services, probably it's in the ballpark of five or 6,000, all of them with different eligibility criteria. So it's in, there is no one standard. What I've told people is that we have a lot of services in this county for people that have purple hair on Tuesday between two and three. So every program has a whole set of their own stuff. So we screen for what we can screen for. And they, and if we have a, um, a, a specialized relationship, like for example, Belinda, you may want to talk about our. Drug abuse line, you know, that we have certain things that we have a relationship with and they can call us specifically for that. And we have staff that will screen for that particular thing. There's not one standard eligibility for
0: anything. Right? Oh, okay, because I was about to say, can, if they call, can you say 211, what's your emergency?
4: <laughs> we, we, basically <laughs> <say that. laughs> we basically say that. We basically say that.
5: We get everything.
0: <laughs> um, Did someone wait is someone going next was Uh, Belinda was going and I think Cynthia was going to offer some more services.
4: Belinda, you want to tell them about, um, we call it SAC, but that's not the, the, um, drug abuse hotline. Oh yes. Um, it's a, um,
5: it's a, a a hotline that DCF case managers call in, uh, to request an assessment, a a drug assessment test for their clients. Uh, we have, in our database, we have the agencies. We go. We have a calendar that we use a calendar. So we uh, schedule the appointments for their clients, and we have a relationship. Like if we needed to talk directly to the agency, uh, either Drug Abuse Foundation, um, uh, the CRC, and in, in um, there's Vero, uh, Fort Pierce, and Martin County. So we have a whole calendar. And we have an, an inventory, we have a, an eligibility risk inventory questionnaire that has to be filled out. Um, and then we follow, you know, the, um, e- it's emailed to the DCF managers, case managers, it could be a CPI or DCM. And um, in turn, they follow up through their system to see if the clients have fulfilled their their appointments. We do follow ups, we do like, we, we do reminders. I mean, we do the best that we can so they can comply to their right. appointment. You know, we can't control if they don't show up to their appointment.
4: Yeah. So I, sh- I asked Belinda to share that because, um, Rose, the, your question was, my answer was a multi-part. The, the short answer was we do very preliminary assessment, right? You know, they need, um, they need homeless services or housing services. But for homeless, they really are going to have to go to the Lewis Center. There's almost no other way around that. That's the way the system works and they process it. So there's, there's nothing we can do to expedite it or move people along. But for customized things like this project, we absolutely can customize, we can do screening, we can do um, follow-up calls, we can do reminder calls, we can do scheduling. But in order to do that, the other thing I'd say is all things are possible with time and money. Because to do that, that makes a call, instead of a five-minute call, every one of those calls is literally about 20 or 30 minutes. And then in addition to that, afterwards, there's a lot of work that our staff have to do to document it and get it into the system and then still the follow-up. So when funders, when partners want that to happen, we have to be funded to hire additional staff to do that and still answer the other calls. Otherwise, there will be calls that won't be answered while our staff are doing that. So
7: yes and kinda. Okay. Thank you. All right. So now on to uh, programs. We have actually six internal programs. Uh, The first one I already mentioned, which is the Help Me Grow program to promote healthy development. Uh, And then we have Elder Crisis Outreach. And the story that Belinda mentioned earlier in the beginning uh, about the elderly couple and getting them the food, um, like food right away. That is also what um, that was the program that handled that portion of bringing them food. So the Elder Crisis Outreach Program is for elders 60 and over um, and their families who are in crisis. Like they need emergency things right now. Like let's say emergency food. The pantry that we have in our office, we take some food and bring it to them. Um, and also it's to help them navigate services that they might not be aware of. Um, so that's what that that is. Um, they also provide a follow-up as well. So they don't just tell you, okay, call here, do this and do that. Um, so they also follow up to make sure that you know you were connected with the services and uh, check up on you and see if the crisis has been resolved. So that's one. And we also have Sunshine Daily um, assurance calls. It's from, let's say, 7.30 to 5 p.m. Um, A volunteer will call in to the elderly that are by themselves or like no family around. They're, you know, isolated and they don't have anybody to talk to. So the volunteer will call, um, you know, spend a couple of minutes talking to them, asking them how they're doing, just basic things about their day, just to check up on them. And sometimes they've called and got no one and they'll call again, got no one. And then they'll have to get the police involved and do a welfare check to see if that person is okay. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. They could be dead. Um, so usually they have no family around. Um So the responsibility kind of falls on us, like the volunteers, to go uh, make sure that after they call them a certain amount of time, they don't reach them um, to get the police involved to go check on that person because they're elderly and they live by themselves. Um, Let me say
4: before you move on, Cynthia, let me say with that
7: Sunshine program, we
4: right now have over 500 people that are isolated and elderly that we're calling every single day to check on. Some of those people tell us that we are the only person they talk to every day. We're the only voice they hear every day. So it's both to help them not feel as isolated and it's a welfare check because like she said, if we don't get them, we send help. And every single year, every single year we save people's lives. There are usually two to three rescues we have that the family members call us and say, if you hadn't called, you know, and gotten my mom to the hospital, the doctor said she wouldn't have made it. So I just wanted you to know how vital that
7: is. And also our newest program, our baby program, my Florida Vet program. Um, So it's part of 211. It provides um, a dedicated helpline to Florida veterans. Um, It's of a counseling type. So once they call, again, with the pre-screening, the preliminary screening, uh, we ask questions, are you a veteran? And if they answer yes, then we mention the program to them where our coordinators will call them, talk to them, kind of transition them into civilian life um, or to counsel them, let them know what services are available for vets, or talk to them. Some of them just need someone to talk to, honestly. And our coordinators also provide that. And some of them need, you know, more than that. They need other services. And they also try to connect them with the ones that are specific for vets and that they might have not known about as well. Um, And also, and now our actual baby-baby program, uh, the Caregiver Program, it's for anyone 18 years or older who's a caregiver. Um, you're taking care of a family, um, spouse, children, things like that. Um, it's to provide support for the caregiver, information, um, and also resources and encouragement. Um, being a caregiver is a hard, a hard job to do. Um, sometimes, you know, burnout and they get, you know, frustrated. It's They're always taking care of somebody else, but not themselves. So this program is to ensure that, you know, their needs are also being met as well, like someone to talk to them saying, you know, uh, did you take some time off for yourself today? Things like that, you know, kind of check up on them because they're checking up on everybody, but there's no one checking up on them. Um, So also that program is starting up um, to provide that extra support and encouragement and resources for caregivers. So that's pretty much all our programs in a nutshell. Did you say special needs? Also, yeah, special needs. Um, our special needs program is for families zero, um, with children zero to 22 who have a disability. Um, so our care coordinator Jennifer, um, after your child has been diagnosed with any disabilities, she then help you with the process of getting resources, let you know what you can fill out, what um, what resources are available to you. Um, so she kind of connects the family with everything that they can like the community has to offer. There's you know, some things we don't know about, and then until you speak to her and you say, oh, my son, it's this and it's that. And then she said, okay, here's where you can go get that. Here's what you can do. Here's the process, the application. And also there's follow-ups. The key thing is follow-up. Like you can tell a parent to do this and they're like, yeah, sure. And then you call them a week later and they're like, oh, yes, I forgot. And it also serve them as a reminder that, okay, Someone is here with me through this process. So I'm going to go, you know, get on that because they're going to call me again in a week. I don't want to have the same answer I had last week. So she does that as well uh, for children with disabilities from 0 to 22. So that's our last
4: program. I want to summarize all of our services though, because one of the challenges we have is that we do so much that I think it's hard for people to really remember what it all is. So really what our core mission is, is it's a little bit like an emergency room. So our, our mission is to de-escalate the crisis and then connect people to help. That's it. De-escalate the crisis, get people connected to help. And so the biggest Program area is our helpline and hotline right that's where we're doing that and most of the time we're 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 like an emergency room so we're getting people de-escalated connecting them with whatever resources available for them now sometimes there's not much for them and we talked about that with Carlos that's the sad reality we we had a woman who called I remember who had had a stroke in her 40s and she had a very she had had a great job and she had a very large house I don't remember how big this house was, but I remember she told us, I think the house size and her mortgage payment, and she wanted help paying her mortgage because she could no longer work. And the sad reality is that there is no service that is going to help pay your mortgage for the rest of your life from 40 you know, on. And we had to talk to her about other options she may have to consider, but we are um, de-escalating, getting people connected to the help when that help is available. And then in addition, there are some vulnerable populations that need a little more help. We don't have any long-term services, no ongoing services, but sometimes they need a little more help than that one call. And then we have advocates who can do that. And those populations are the special needs, the elders, and our children, and our vets. So that's sort of the way that I describe it, like an emergency where Most of the time, we're handling it right here on the helpline. Sometimes there are some advocates for special populations.
0: So Holly, Carlos, and and Lisa, what questions do you have, or did they leave unanswered?
2: I have a question uh, with because it sounds like it answered one of the questions from earlier. Like, what is your target popular or, or your main priority? And and I could be biased, <laughs> but I think and maybe 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 this is out of your spectrum. But my question is: Is there ever a time where Men are the focus, because again, we talked about elderly, talked about children, we talked about uh, special needs, but it seems like a lot of men, especially with COVID-19, a lot of men who lost their jobs and who are homeless, the only service that they may be provided for is homelessness, where they may not feel comfortable talking about mental health, so is there anything that two on one? Possibly can do or look into to, to make men feel comfortable using them, and not just feel like it's only when they're homeless or when their children or their wives need something.
4: Yeah, that's a great question because um, as you said before, and I agreed, um, unfortunately, you know the services dedicated to men are are much, um, are much more sparse than than the other services. So the, the, sh- the short, most accurate answer is that we don't have an advocate that is dedicated only to men. Um, the areas where we have special advocates are only when we can secure the funding to do that. Because again, if I take a staff person off the phone to, to focus in some area, I have to have either somebody else on the phone or the call wait time is gonna be longer. So I don't have an advocate just for men. I will say that the closest thing that we have on staff Is that our our veteran services are not only for men, but a large number of the veterans are men. And our two, uh, the way that that program works is that the idea is that vets who call often want to speak to another vet. They don't want to talk to just anybody. So we've hired, we were able to get funding from the state, and we've hired two veterans to serve as peers. So we do have two male veteran peers that are able to help those vets that call. Now, of course, they help all vets, male, female, transgender. Um, So that's part one of my answer to your question, Carlos. The other part of my answer to your question would be that my hope would be, and maybe this is an area that you guys can help me with, is that, um, because this is not a two-on-one problem, this is a community problem, is that you're right when you say men often don't want to call and ask for help. That's something as a community, we need to work on shifting men's willingness to connect with help when they need it. Because I would say that we are available for everyone all the time. And and men are part of everyone.
5: Yes. And I, I have to add something that, um, uh, especially during the pandemic, uh, I've, I've spoken, I've sometimes I'm I am on the phone quite often. And I have had a lot of men call uh, single parents, you know, because they are, <laughs> they can be single parents also and they are a little hesitant to ask for help you know they might ask just for one thing and then I also we are trained to not just concentrate on that one thing that they need when they first call but that's why we assess the call is there any other areas in your home that you might need help with you know and they they're kind of hesitant to share that information again we are non-judgmental you know we um we like we do, use the, our active listening, so that's where where that comes in. They they eventually open up and they say, well, you know, yeah, I lost my job, and you know, I'm a man, you know, and I'm I'm supposed to provide for my family, and that that's where what you were saying, Sharon. They have to, you know, open up. Uh, maybe the, there's some sort of programs through a community. I wish we could do more for just men, but unfortunately, our calls are for everybody. But I have spoken to a lot more men than I would before the pandemic.
0: So it sounds as though uh, the narrative ha- it has to be rewritten because you remember <laughs> men were told and probably still are being told that men are not to cry. Right. So yes. therefore, that has been embedded inside of them. And yes. they feel ashamed and, and yes. belittled and, and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, to, to report, especially to a woman that yes. I need help. So, Absolutely. how do we rewrite that narrative and let them know that men are to cry? Men should cry. Men should let it out, you know, because we've been letting it out. We still let it out, you know. So, how do we, you know, wrap our hands right. around them and give them these big hugs and say, just let go? Right,
2: From all of us. Well, right. I, can, can, I about to, can I answer that one? Can yes, I do that answer? Please. <laughs> so, so it's difficult for men to just do that with women. And so that's where Project FAT is some of the work that I've been doing. Like um coming up in March, I, I got a um project that I'm working on. I was one of the grant recipients and it's, and the project is called ICU that is going to be geared towards men. And talking about getting them comfortable and bringing forth the um, normality that we do hurt, we do cry, and it's okay. So part of that narrative right now is being rewritten. It's been, um, also with Project Fact, we're doing two parts, one with men, one with um, youth. So we're trying to work on that. And so sidebar, um, I was going to say, because I also heard two of them talk about some of the grants that they write, possibly maybe just a suggestion, write a piece in the grant. For somebody to be a male advocate, I'm so sorry, I can't remember her name, but it's just something about when a man talks to another man, Oh, you know, I'm finna snap, I'm finna lose it. And he say, I understand what you're going through, but snapping ain't the way to go. Maybe you need to work on this, or have you thought about this program, or have you thought about this program, or maybe this program?
4: I think you're right. So I Carlos, so. right now we're going to lean on you, and one of the things I'm going to put in my email is um, our contact for Judy who helps with the database. And I'm gonna want you, as you work on these additional services to make sure you get in touch with us so we get them in our database. So then we can send people, we can send some of the men that are calling us to the services that
3: you're offering.
0: And Carlos, on that note, um, you're, you're doing that with the men. And when I do my next session, of course I do mine with the women. And one of my next sessions will be on interpersonal relationships and communication, where I would love to invite men in on this session because I only had a women's session the last time. So it's like we, and let's just say in our communities, we need to have these type of conversations, um, especially, and we need to know where to get them from and where to go to. And uh, I would love to uh, partner up with you um, in the near future uh, to get that going because the women need a place to go that's safe to talk and also men as well. And and when we are able to bring it together, ooh, dynamite. A lot of, a lot of synergy. I,
4: I want to share I while we're talking about men though, um, I, and this is just one story. And, and this was, I, I heard it from a staff person in the bathroom. We had just gotten a call, and it was memorable to her because we don't get a lot of these from a male victim of domestic violence. Mm. And so um, that man had gone for a very long time without help because he was too embarrassed to tell anyone what was really going on. And we all have a little bit of preconceived ideas because even I, I wondered, like in conversation, I, I wondered in my head, I wondered if this was um, a gay relationship. Well, it was not. The, the abuser was a woman. So um, I was very grateful this man was able to reach out to us and that our staff cared about him and was able to get him connected to
0: some services. That's another thing, man. I told not to hit a woman, but uh, look, I don't believe in all of that. But if she's doing enough to to get whatever repercussions there is or whatever to get her up off of him, then all by all means necessary, you know, because they were taught that as well, you know, that they are not supposed to do so. But why is it OK for her to do so? Right. Yeah,
4: nobody nobody, nobody should be nobody should be a victim of violence. Exactly.
0: exactly. And if that's it has true. gotten to that point, they need to walk. They need to go their separate ways. I think this
2: needs to be another conversation about learning how or or deal, or finding more funding for both, because it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of resources for women that's been abused. But you bring up an interesting point. Men get abused quite often, whether it's physical. Or even mental. Mental abuse is just as bad as the physical abuse, especially when you're doing your best, and, and the woman is 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 abusing you, or your partner's abusing you, and you don't have any resources. But there are shelters for women, but there are no shelters for men. And so, it's, see these conversations are needed so much because it brings out other pieces. Where we started off with two one one, and two one one is just a piece, but they also need additional resources. They need Absolutely. help just like we need help. So yeah, you know, no, exactly. It's,
4: it's we are, and that's what I've told people. We are a piece of a puzzle. We are a critical piece of the puzzle, but we're not the whole puzzle. So sometimes when, when you know people want to talk to us, you know, want us to solve homelessness or domestic violence, you know, I say you you cannot lay that at, at the doorstep of two one one. That is a community problem, and yeah. one of the biggest problems is the very fact that we are one of the least funded states when it comes to these kinds of services. And that's one of the reasons, Carlos and Rose, that, that it's so difficult to get people to the help that they need.
0: Because, yes, because every, if we don't... every partner partners starving. If we don't get to the root of the problem of all of these problems, because we know that there are some existing problems before it gets to the problem when they call two one one or nine one one. Right. Right. So, but if we don't get to those problems, then you know it's going to be a, a, a it, well, it's already a real problem. Because they haven't dealt with their, um, their little girl selves or their little boy selves. And, and they haven't gone back in past to find out what was the hurts and all of that type stuff and to bring this stuff to the forefront. Because when I talk to people, I tell them to go back to their little girl or little boy selves and work yourself all the way to the age that you are now and find out what were your hurts along the way. Because however you got on this side of the puzzle, okay, something happened on that side of the puzzle puzzle along the way. So- until we are able to solve those 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 very issues, we can't solve nothing on the surface. It's a That's tangled it. problem. One one That's thing is intertwined
2: with another.
1: Mm-hmm. So Sharon, this. I don't want to get into. I'm,
2: I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's a quick question. Um, do you guys also allow therapists to be on your to be on that? Like, if they're looking for a therapist. Do you guys also allow therapists to provide their information? So if a person does need a therapist or needs somebody to talk to on that level, yeah, then we use your services as well.
4: We we, re, we we refer to therapists. Generally, we don't refer people to individuals. Usually, we we generally refer them to organizations. So if they are private pay and they have insurance, we'll help them. You know, start the process to navigate that. Most people don't have the funding for that. So in those cases, we connect them to agencies, nonprofits that provide um, either free or sliding fee services, counseling.
6: How do people, if they have a program or a service, Get onto your platform, get onto the two-on-one platform.
4: So you have to get in touch with us. And if you didn't know how, if you weren't here, then you could just go on our website and click, you know, help and just ask the question and we would connect you to the right person. But after this email or after this call, I'll do a little email that includes my person's um, actual email address. Her name is Judy Heckman, and we have a form and there's a screening criteria. So not everybody can be in the database. We don't put every um, medical doctor. We don't put every individual private practice therapist. You know, we have a criteria for how they're in there. Um, And one of the things we also, we don't put every service. There are some services that say, for example, you can't come to us directly. We only take people after they've been screened from this other entity. Then there are some that are too little. You know, they've said, we can't go in your database because we're just providing food for the people at our church and we don't have the services to, to respond to everyone but the short answer is you would get in touch with us and we would go over together what's needed.
1: All right. That so, actually was going to be my question. That was going to be my question. <laughs> okay. So, Ms. Rose, you have a question because No, that was going to be my question. How do they decide what what services um, that are that are chosen for 211 to be included in the directory? Yep.
0: So did that I was, answer okay. you? Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. So guess what, guys? We have arrived. We have arrived. We have arrived, honey. We have about six more minutes on this line, and then we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We heard some great stuff tonight from Belinda, Sharon, and Cynthia from 211. I mean, they talked about over 1,600 supportive services, um, DCF, electric bills, all types of stuff. Uh, Cynthia, you came on with all of the Help Me Grow and the Elderly Crisis and the Sunshine Daily Assurance place and veterans and caregivers programs, special needs and all of that, and then Sharon, you know there were some questions uh, uh where Holly didn't even know you know that they had a two on one down here, and we talked about all of that and what type of training do you guys uh, give your people as far as answering those phones and stuff like that. You talked about the men' supportive group and all of that other stuff or whatever um talked about that 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 real compassionate story about the elderly. Who needed that help? Um, uh, and Belinda directed them over to a, to a Walmart and the crisis line and and all of that stuff and got them that assistance and everything. And I heard one thing. One thing very clear, Sharon. One thing very clear as far as what you guys do in a nutshell. You deescalate the crisis to get people connected to the help that they need. And yeah. this is such some. This is some good conversation going on tonight. I think we need to have this again. Now I don't know if anything was left unturned for tonight but I think you got a lot of answers because 211 Y'all showed up tonight and showed up, okay? Thank you. I'm impressed
4: with you, Rose. You must have been taking notes
0: because you summarized that good. Girl. In a nutshell. Let me tell you, honey. Let me tell you what I do by day, honey. I work for Primetime Palm Beach County. I am the assessment manager. I go in and assess the scene like I'm a former police officer. Oh, wow. Well, that is what I do. I write (laughs) things down. So when I call Carlos, when you start talking about that, men situation and I know that I got me a little women thing going over here <laughs> and I hope to see y'all one day making in the, the connection you know <laughs> making the connection We're making connections all across Palm Beach County and I am loving 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 it you guys continue on with your great work because I know that each and every one of you that are on this line you're doing some fantastic work in the community in your homes in your schools wherever it may be that you show up but always remember to show out when you get there Amen. I almost took you out of church and didn't even know.
4: <laughs> You're good. Beautiful night. That was great. Thank you everybody for having
3: us. Thank you for your questions. Thank, thank, thank you so for much. caring about thank this community. Yeah. The last thing that I think that we should all, you know, take from this call is how we'll be able to advocate for 211. Um, we all learned some great things, and now it's time for us to push that narrative so more people can learn about those things at 211. Um, they're doing for the community. And then also my question, uh, last question to Sharon, um, I guess what's next after this conversation? I'm pretty sure that we exposed some things that um, the community may have wanted to share to you all. So it's like, what's next?
4: So what I'm going to do after this is I'm going to email this group and I'm going to include our 2 on one flyer. And then I'm going to um, include Judy's email. And then I, I don't know if Carlos was on the email. So if he's not, I hope he is. And that he, he can get in touch with Judy and connect us. So once I've done that, then I hope that you all will take that information, both Judy's information and the flyer, out into the world. <laughs> Tell everybody you know. And you're going to like our Facebook page, too. Let me write already, that babe. down. I like, like it, for you. Down.
8: And I think I shared it. Great. And and Sharon, I mean, I I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for them, but I, I'm I'm gonna assume that if you ever need anything, definitely, you know, I think there'll be, you know, awesome individuals that were on the community couch, our community connectors that can just, you know, um bounce thoughts, ideas, recommendations, suggestions, you know, just a safe space. You know, where you because you guys already established a relationship on this couch conversation that you can continue on. And and I hope that's the same thing for everyone else that's on this call, that you feel very comfortable reaching out to one another. Um, Our hope and our goal with this is to be able to engage residents and system leaders to talk about um, some of the ways we can advance behavior health. And you being on this couch is advancing behavior health because we're having the necessary conversations. So when uh, Carlos said that, I was just like, yes, (laughs) that's what this is about. And so thank you, Lauren, for your leadership. We appreciate you so much. Um, Thank you, Melanie, for always being behind the scenes and transcribing for us. We appreciate you. Thank you to our community connectors that facilitated the conversation. Shout out to the community couch. That kept the ball rolling for us and Sharon, Cynthia, Belinda, you guys are firecrackers. I love it. You guys are like <laughs> it. Thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you, you to everybody here, so my thank team, you.
4: Belinda Thanks for, thank for you. Joining <laughs> And everybody for having
8: us and for all you do. And and thank you for take giving us some of your dinner time. We appreciate that.